Around Comics, Episode 61. Chicago, this is Around Comics, a roundtable discussing topics in and around the world of comics. I'm your host, Christopher Neesman, and I'm joined, as always, by my partner in crime and the co-host of Around Comics, Mr. Brian Salazar. Hello, hello. And next is the man who brings the funny and the beer. He is our other co-host, Mr. Tom Caters. I expect to be reimbursed for both. What Funny what, and beer. What price do you put on funny, Tom? Well, you can't. It's, it's, <laughs> it's, priceless. it's priceless. The beer costs eight ninety six. <laughs> All right, well, gentlemen, welcome aboard. Thank you to everyone for listening to another Thursday edition of Around Comics. It's not very often that you get to talk with a true legend in the comics industry, but that's exactly what we're going to be doing today. In just a couple minutes, we'll, will be our pleasure to welcome Mr. Gentleman Gene Colan to the program. But first, I'd like to let you know that this episode of Around Comics is sponsored by the New York Comic Con. The New York Comic Con is bigger, better, and has double the space, with more gaming and anime for 2007. Come to the Jacob Javits Center February 23rd through 25th and experience the biggest pop culture event in New York City, featuring comics, anime, manga, graphic novels, video games, trading card games, RPG, MMOs, toys, movies, TV, celebrities, and more. Guests of honor include Stan Lee, Jeff Smith, J. Michael Straczynski, and George Perez, with many more to be announced. For a complete list of guests, as well as show and advance ticket information, visit www.nycomiccon.com. Don't miss out on the 2007 New York Comic Con, or you well will be, done. or you will be chastised by your, you will be your quote unquote friends. And when you're there, come and visit us in the uh, Podcaster Alley. We will be there. Yes. Laugh at us. And if you're not going to be in point, New York at the uh, the end of February, but you live in the <clears> Chicago <throat> area, I'd like you to know that Around Comics is recorded every Friday at 7 o'clock at Dark Tower Comics and Collectibles, located at 4835 Northwestern Avenue in Chicago. If you're in the area, please drop by. We would love to meet you. When you're here, remember to ask about Dark Tower's poll list membership. It's one of the best you'll find anywhere. Dark Tower has a great selection of mainstream comics, indie comics, and trades, as well as statues and action figures. Come to Dark Tower for all of your comics and collectibles needs. And remember that your Around Comics experience isn't complete until you've read this week's Long Box of Love. Each Thursday episode of Around Comics has a wonderfully handcrafted webcomic from Brian Bowles. Check it out every Thursday at www.aroundcomics.com. You guys read his, his long box this week? I did. That's, uh, I'm waiting for the trade. <laughs> I, uh, I can never remember what happened in it's the previous weeks. Striking Peter Parker penis. <laughs> Peter Parker? Peter Parker's penis. I thought Peter. it would be <laughs> The spectacular. As the I spectacular it. spider penis. <laughs> yeah. Not so spectacular, <laughs> unfortunately. For Giant himself. spider thank balls. You as, thank you as always, <laughs> Brian Bowles. Gene Colan started working in comics in 1944, and over 60-plus years has become a legend in the comics industry. He's helped define some of comics' most cherished characters and properties. Whether you know his work from Iron Man, Captain America, Howard the Duck, Doctor Strange, The Tomb of Dracula, Daredevil, or countless others, his style and skill are unmistakable. A 2005 inductee into the 
the Will Eisner Hall of Fame and one of the true gentlemen of comics around comics is pleased to welcome Mr. Gene Colwin. Mr. Colwin, welcome to Around Comics and uh, thank you for being on the show. Thank you very much for asking me. Uh, I find this uh, occasion very uh, enlightening and important to me. <laughs> well, <laughs> we'll see how you feel. Yeah, are, you, are you interviewing us or are we interviewing you now? <laughs> Uh, I, I, I'm enjoying every bit of it. So, <laughs> excellent. Well, Mr. Cullen, w- looking back at your long career and the sheer volume of work that you've done, I, I guess the best place to start is at the beginning. And can can you tell us how you got into comics and uh, a little bit of what the comics industry was like whenever you broke in? Well, um, in 19, uh, let's see, I don't know the service around 45, 46. And uh, uh, my, uh, I, I always knew I wanted to get into comics. Um, but even prior to that, prior, prior to getting into the service, yeah, way back, I mean, 11, 10, 11, 12, I was always fooling around with, with, an, uh, with a hero, a sort of a superhero that I had invented. Not a superhero, but a, oh, uh, a spy. And I call him Jim Turner, American Spy. And I entertained myself hour upon hour with the withdrawing this thing and uh, um, I was highly influenced by film because in those days uh, very few films came out in Technicolor so um, 98% of them were black and white and uh, I I would uh, sort of pretend since I was too young to go into the service that I was actually there and I and I lived all those hero- heroic moments with the character that I had created. That sort of started me off. I, I would go to the stationery store and buy a, a pad for about a half an hour, a quarter. Who knows? It was next to nothing in those days. And, um, and I began. It had no lines on it and just plain white sheets of paper. And I started to uh, put in the panels and uh, make up my own stories, pretending that I was actually living the adventure. And I would while away the, the time that way. I was not, uh, I didn't mix it up very much. I was sort of a, a loner. Uh, although I did play with the with the other guys uh, in, in front of the building that I lived in. I, um, I still preferred drawing and sketching and doing all that sort of thing. And that was really my very, that was the, the beginnings of, of my um, interest in comics. I, I imagine I, you as, as the type of person that always had a pencil and a pad of paper with you, kind always, of wherever you went. Always. Now, I, I remember doing something pretty nasty. Uh, <laughs> in, in, in the confines of my family, my mother, when I was very young, knew that the, the quickest way to, to, to uh, punish me and the best way would be to take my pencil and paper away. And so she would do that. She would say, okay. Yeah, you're going to be a wise guy, and now you're going to pay for it, and uh, you're not allowed to draw for a week. Uh, that was almost impossible for me to do. Uh, <laughs> so when she was not looking, out would come the pad and pencil. Uh, <laughs> draw with rocks so, if you had to. <laughs> I, I would. I would have. I would have. Uh, thread of life and limb. I would have done it just like I did it then. Now you went. You uh, enlisted in, in the Marines originally uh, during World I, War II. Yes, I tried to get into the Marine Corps, and my father came down and got wind of it. And I, well, I told him, 
And I, uh, he, what? He says he went down to the uh, enlistment station and told him that I was underage, and I was. And so they, uh, of course, they released me. <laughs> but you did, you did end up I going... I got into the Air Force. Yeah, mm -hmm. I did. And, I and did every, everything but fly. <laughs> <laughs> and you were stationed in the Philippines, correct? Yes. Um, and, and there was a time there that you worked for the Manila Press? I, I worked for the Manila... Long after... I was overseas in, in the Philippines for quite some time. And then I, I got the idea of uh, maybe getting uh, some of my work into the Manila Times. That was the big newspaper there in the Philippines, in Manila. Uh, Manila was basically made up of uh, craters and, you know, shell craters and bullet holes everywhere. It was a mess, but uh, I did get work from them, quite a bit of it. And I actually made more money from them than I did from Uncle Sam. <laughs> so I, <laughs> I was, um, I enjoyed that. I really did. Now, was that was that strip work? Was that more... Uh... No, I, no, I had, uh, I had a running diary of my experiences in the service, all in the form of cartooning. Wow. Uh, highly influenced by Kniff, uh... I uh, sort of patterned my style after him, at least as close as I thought I could ever get. And uh, I, I would uh, just keep a running diary from day to day as to what happened uh, each day that passed. And I uh, would do it in the form of, of course, uh, in the form of drawing. Uh, I managed to get into special service uh, when I was overseas. Um, uh, I tried everything in the book to get into special service, but each... Uh, each soldier had a, um, a what they called an MOS number, and once that was uh, um, given to you, you could never change it. Uh, so they told me, uh, and I was trying to get out of it the worst way. And everybody uh, in, in, my, in my unit knew that, that that's exactly what I was trying to do. Um, and one day they were uh, they they rounded up a lot of guys who wanted to know. It was the main question that they asked everyone what they would do if a Japanese prisoner ever escaped. And uh, when the time came to me and they said, what would you do, Eugene? Would you just let him go or what? Because you've got to remember, if he escapes, you have to serve his time. And uh, I said, I, it didn't matter to me uh, about that. I would just simply, I wouldn't shoot him if that's what you're asking. I'd let him go. And that did it. They got me right out of, uh, <laughs> out of uh, I, I was a prison chaser at that time sitting on top of a garbage truck with a carbine and making sure that the, uh, that the prisoners would uh, do what they had to do during the, during the day. And I would have done anything to get out of that. Oh, and so that's how I got out of it. Hmm. I thought you were going to say that you told them that... Uh you can make a really great drawing of that Japanese soldier running away. Well, Gene, at that time, and uh, and I know that a lot of servicemen read comic books. Were were those? I mean, were you keeping up with what the industry was doing while you were in the no. service? No. No, not at all. No, <laughs> uh, I just simply took advantage of where I was, and uh, and I it, it was just a a. Uh, I make up for uh, information as, as subject matter. There's mm -hmm. so much subject matter. Uh, I would draw the Japanese prisoners. I would. Uh, if we had a shutdown zero on the field. I, I did. I drew that. Um, I even got inside of a. I think it was a Mustang fighter, and and uh, pretending. I was. We're looking at the uh, 
at the instrument panel, and I said, my God, you'd have to be a walking encyclopedia in order to run this thing. <laughs> and so I, uh, I would just, I sketched the entire layout of the uh, dashboard. Every number, every switch, everything. And uh, and then I was, I, I, I noticed that sitting in this, in this, uh, in this plane that I was sitting awfully low, I could hardly look out the, the front window. I said, how the hell do, do these pilots uh, fly this thing? And uh, I, I noticed the seat that I was sitting in, it, it had a big hole in it, a huge hole. It was a metal seat, but it had no padding and nothing. It was just a big hole. And my butt was resting right into the hole, which, <laughs> which didn't give me any height. And then I realized later that it was if I had been a, a pilot, I would have been sitting on my parachute. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay that's so that right. would have made the difference. <laughs> but it was, it, it was great. I just enjoyed myself overseas. There were some rough moments, but I, uh, I did fine. Well, once you got out, I mean, you knew at that moment, I mean, you, you knew you wanted to work in comics. So tell us a little bit about once you were out of the service and, and how you started to get into into drawing comics professionally. Prior to going into the service, I, I spent a summer working for Fiction House. They were on, uh, I think, 53rd, I, I think that was the street, and right off 5th Avenue. And uh, I spent an entire summer there with uh, one of the other artists, um, um, Murphy, Murphy Anderson. Oh, okay. Oh, sure. Yeah, the two of us, we were working there. And then, of course, when when that was so, when the summer ended, I uh, then I went into the service. But once you got out of the service, then uh, you started... I, I couldn't get that job back. I tried. I even wrote a letter. Well, yeah, and, and, I, and I've read that whenever you came out of the service that you really wanted to work for D.C. What was, yes. what was the big draw uh, about D.C. at that time? Well, um... Uh, I did have a, a uh, they allowed me before I went into the service, when I was just a, a kid again, uh, to, uh, uh, they saw that I had some potential, and they, uh, they, they were very nice, they took me, they took me through the, the bullpen, and I met the Bob Kane there, and, wow. uh, actually saw how comics were done, and I never realized that, I mean, my presentation to, uh, to DC as to what uh, what I was capable of I was just drawn on a very small pad, even smaller than the uh, comic book itself. Uh, and I never realized that any of this stuff was ever done with a brush uh, or anything else. Uh, I worked with a like a nickel pen that you'd buy in a, in a candy store and um, to ink some of it. And uh, and the pictures were about the size of a panel was about the size of a when I got over to, to D.C., and, uh, I saw really uh, my eyes just dropped to the ground. I, I, I couldn't believe it. I saw uh, a lot of Jack Kirby's work, uh, which just blew me away. I, I saw it all in pencil, uh, and I knew that I, would, I had my hands full, that I would really have to go back to school, which was what they advised me to do. Was uh, uh was Jack working on? I mean, he he had a reputation for working on really large uh, art board yeah. at that time, right? Very stiff, thick boards. <laughs> um, and I did. I I I just simply went home immediately. Got myself a went to an art store and bought, and bought some of that kind of uh, uh, that illustration board and, and just simply uh, would do the same thing. I would draw line for line what what Jack did to try to 
to try to get the feel of what really good work was like. And, and if it meant tracing it, I would have done it. Uh, and that's how I did it. That's how I, uh, I, I just went back. I went back to school. I, I got, I, I got, and when I got out of the service, I went to the Art Students League, um, immediately and spent maybe, oh, maybe two years or so, year and a half there. Um, and, and I got to understand, uh, some, something about anatomy, which I knew nothing at all about. And, and overseas, I met a fellow by the name of Stephen Kidd. I don't know if you know that name, is that familiar with, mm -hmm. with any of you, but, um, uh, he, uh, he saw the potential. He was a fabulous illustrator. He worked for the government, and he did a lot of beautiful paintings of uh, Korean life. And I just couldn't believe what I saw. And I knew I was up against some big, big, uh, big-time illustrators. Now, you went to school on the GI Bill, is that correct? Uh, yes, I did. Okay. Yep. That's, now, whenever you, whenever you came out, you uh, ended up going to uh, Timely. Uh, can you tell us a little bit? Eventually, about... I went to Timely, yeah. Mm -hmm. I, do, I couldn't get the first place with the D.C., not even after school. I went back to them again, but I couldn't get anywhere. So I, uh, I simply thumbed uh, through the, uh, the various comic books, and on the uh, front page on the inside uh, uh, cover there would be an, a, 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 uh, a listing of where they were, you know, and uh, who the editor was and so on. And, and I just went right up cold to, uh, in fact, I spent about a week doing a war story at home. I, I, I just put in everything but the kitchen sink in it. I, I inked it, at first I penciled it, then I inked it, and I even put a wash effect over everything. Um, and I also um, wrote it, I mean, there wasn't much in the writing, it was just more of of the drawing that I was trying to impress somebody with. And I went up to a, a Timely Comics. Marvel was called Timely Comics then. And a man by the name of Martin Goodman. Are you familiar with that name? I was, I was going to ask you if you uh, if you had the opportunity to uh, to meet him. Oh, yes. I did. I mean, I would see him in a hall or something in, in passing. I never, I never really uh, spoke to him that much. Well, that's how I met Stan. Yeah. But anyway, I, I came up uh, off the elevator with the artwork, and um, and um, the art director came right out and took a look at me at, at the work, and and he said to me, "Can you, you, you have time? Just wait here for a minute." And I knew right away. Uh, I mean, that the radar went up immediately when he said, "Can you wait here a minute?" That gave it away, and I said, "Oh boy, they must be interested." And he was gone for about 10 minutes, and that made it even better. Uh, <laughs> when he came back out, he asked me in to meet Stan, and that's when I met Stan. Stan, uh, we're, we're, we're not exactly the same age, but pretty damn close. Uh, I'm 80, and he's 83. Mm -hmm. So uh, we, he was just a, a kid himself at the time, uh, just like me. Um, he was wonderful. So he said, uh, he said to me, so you want to be in comic day? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's what he said. <laughs> and we started to talk, and he said, would you like a job? And I said, yeah. He says, well, yeah, got it. <laughs> just, just how he talked. He, was, he always reminded me of Jack Lemmon. I don't know why. It's, maybe it's his boyish way. But uh, that's what he reminded me. And I got myself by. That was my start. 
to give us a, just a little perspective, maybe. I mean, at the sure. time, I mean, we 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 hear names like you know Bob Kane and Jack Kirby and 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 Stan Lee, <laughs> Ooh, and, ah. and and to us they're, they're legends in in this industry, obviously. But at the time, I'm you know, did you know of these guys before meeting them? No. Did, did, oh, so none of them. None of them. No, I didn't. I didn't know who they were. Uh, I didn't know anyone, but not a soul in the business, no. I just went up cold. I just knew what I wanted to do, uh, loving film and all. That was my biggest uh, influence, was motion pictures. It's interesting that you're talking about um, your time spent in the military and uh, doing war books. Did you think there was definitely an advantage to having been in the military in drawing a war book? Was there a lot of translation from experience? Oh, yeah, I mean, uh, everything in life that you see, uh, to an artist, uh, he, he uses. He can't resist it. If he sees something unusual, he goes out of his way to uh, um, use it, you know. Um, that's what helps form a style, really. It's just a, a, a constant search for something. And you don't quite, you're not aware of a, of a style, it just comes upon you suddenly. It's like handwriting, really. You know, you're not aware much of your handwriting, you just will write out your name, and, and that's, uh, what, and this is what I think artists do. I, they may all start out thinking that they can, they can control a style, but I don't think that you really can. You end up with bad handwriting, or bad drawing. No. <laughs> <laughs> I got I got a lot of uh, Stan was wonderful to me. He really was. You were a staff artist then at, at that point, correct? With with Timely. Uh, right, but in the bullpen, mm-hmm. I and met a lot of people. I met Sid Shores. Do you know who he is? Sure. Oh yeah. Yeah, I met him. He was oh, I can't say, I can't talk speak of him highly enough. He helped me a lot. Uh, he was in charge of the bullpen. Oh, then eventually I met uh, John Buscema, who I thought was just out of this world. And and uh, right to the very end of, of his life, I felt the same way about his work. If I knew his work was being shown somewhere, I, I'd really take a good hard look at it, because uh, I was influenced a lot by him. Well, he was fantastic. Yeah. Yes, he was. What a craftsman. He did a lot of work, too, in advertising. So he, he was really, I think, a ahead of most of us. It was a natural. So in, in the beginning then, uh, what kind of books were you working on with, with Stan? Everything. Crime stories, westerns, all that stuff. Got a lot of help from Sid with the westerns because he was great at it. Um, <laughs> I, I, it was, I, I had a, a crime story to do once, I remember, uh, and there was uh, one of the panels had a woman sitting in front of a mirror putting on makeup and no matter how I tried, I just, I knew it was all wrong, and I, and I couldn't make it look natural and, and right. And, and the next day I, I came in with, I was actually working on a freelance level two at home with all the work I could get from Marvel, and I just couldn't do this particular shot, so I came in and asked him about it. He showed me in five seconds where I went wrong, and whipped that in there so fast, and I learned a lot. See that? That's so helpful to one. Uh, usually, artists are very helpful to helpful to one another. You know, it's, 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 they're very giving. But at the same time, you, you you kind of always wanted to work for DC too, and and then it was about yeah. But I, I, when I saw that it just wasn't going to happen, I, mm-hmm. I got in with Marvel. I was very happy there. I was just interested in basically getting work. I thought that uh, DC, and not knowing any better, I thought that DC was the, like the MGM 
of uh, of comics, you know. All the, uh, like, Batman was uh, quite popular at the time. Superman was, of course, very popular. And these are properties that, that DC owned. And I wanted to be a part of it. Sure. So I figured, my God, if I could get a job there, I'd be in, you know. And I, it, it, you know, that came out of out of my head, a, a thought that I thought was something I, I needed. I, I needed for myself to, to try and, get a position there, but uh, it just didn't work out. So I, so I did it with um, with Marvel. Now, they had a good run of, of characters, too. You know, they uh, they had Iron Man uh, and uh, several other things, uh, Two-Gun Kid, Kid Colt, um, and some other, uh, Captain America, I think. Sid, Sid Shores did a lot of the Captain America stories. I think Marvel oh. turned out okay in the end. Yes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they certainly did look at what's happening to them today. Well, around 1950, you did go to work for D.C., though, on Hopalong Cassidy. Is that right? That was D.C., yeah. yeah. I, eventually, you know, I got work from them. I really did. I, I got a lot of war stories from them. Uh, and then uh, Hopalong Cassidy came along. And Julie, Julie Schwartz was my editor on that. We had, uh, we had read that uh, when you were working on Hopalong Cassidy that you were actually using uh, film cells to uh, to base some of your drawings on. I was building a library uh, at the time, a, a file. Uh, and uh, and I, had, I would cut out just about everything and anything. And, what, and wherever these pictures would... Uh, I would... I would put them under categories, and an awful lot of that stuff went into Westerns because I was doing a lot of Westerns. Uh, and then, of course, with Hopalong uh, Cassidy, I needed all I could get. But I also had a, a, a projector, a sound projector, which I uh, purchased, and I would rent these films. And some of them I would rent um, from private uh, places in the city that I had a lot of uh, these uh, westerns, like with Glenn Ford. I, I would watch these films and study the characters and uh, and then put them in the western. And if I had anything in in my files that would, like stagecoaches and uh, background material and authenticity, uh, uh, that would be helpful and, and uh, create a sense of realism. Uh, then I would uh, then I would use that too. My files were just chock full of stuff, and to this very day, I still have the same pictures. Yeah, did did you call it an artist morgue? I, that's yeah, what I always... morgue, right? It's yeah. huge. Was that something common uh, with comic artists at the time, or was yes, that... yes? I heard that Noel Sickles did it, Milton Kniff did it. They all, uh, Alex Raymond, they they all did the same thing. Well, I find it kind of interesting because. You, your style was always sort of considered one of the first photorealistic styles. Well, you know, I, I, as I went along, I, I, got, I wanted to get as authentic and believable as I could. And that was my goal. How believable can I get this? How authentic could I get it? And that required an awful lot of work, a lot of time spent at the board, uh, and a lot of uh, information that I would either I'd either buy a book contain, containing some of these things, or uh, I would have happen to have had a picture lying around in my file. Eventually, I I grew uh, so large with these pictures, I had to get a cabinet and then uh, and really file them away. 
I well, started with a shoebox <laughs> and just throwing these the photographs in it, and then eventually it it uh, it uh, you know it outgrew the shoebox, and then I had to uh, get a filing cabinet. Started with one or two small ones, and eventually um, right now I have uh, a large uh, about two. Well, I have two, through the years I've managed to. Uh, get rid of some of them, but I have two huge cabinets here in my room right now, <laughs> full of stuff. But they're all, most of them are dated. You know, they're very dated, very hard to keep up. Oh, sure. Uh, with yeah. what's going on today and uh, the changes. I have stuff uh, on aircraft carriers, for instance, and fighter aircraft that uh, went along fine with World War Two, but uh, that's not the kind of aircraft we have anymore. <laughs> yeah. uh, you never know. You know, it might there might, might be a story that would crop up uh, dealing with that time in in our history, and of course, I've I've got it made then. But <laughs> but but if I had kept up, which is a job in itself, I uh, then I would have a lot of that. Things are changing so quickly now is that uh, whatever you have saved or put away is obsolete tomorrow. Oh, so that's how it goes. Be sure to stay inside and listen to AroundComics.com, especially during daylight hours. Seriously, it's spring, and the glint off your pasty white comic geek skin could blind someone. Well, I, I find it really interesting that while you're working at DC, there's this guy named Adam Austin who was doing yeah, stuff I at Marvel that looked exactly uh, like yours. Uh, because I was working at DC, <laughs> I was working for Marvel, and I didn't want uh, anyone to know that I was working for the two companies. That thought it would work again. Uh, Marvel thought or if DC thought that I was getting work from another company. Sure, sure. So, but you know, like I said, your your style, uh, you can't hide it. <laughs> I don't think there's an artist out there that uh, that can hide it. Um, it's, it's recognizable. So uh, it, it didn't do me any good. Eventually, I had to uh, to the heck with it. <laughs> Went back to my. We talked uh, in past shows quite a bit about EC Comics, and, and they were really one of the first publishers to uh, to let their artists sign the work, and they really started to to bill the the creators. Uh, were you ever a fan of the EC Comics? Oh, I love. I wanted to really work for them in a very big way. Harvey Kurtzman, I think, was the main editor up there, and uh, he he was very innovative. He did a lot of things that, in fact. Just about everything he did was never done before. He had, like, sequential art where um, the, the, if you go f with five panels in a row, each panel is almost the same as the one before, but there are differences. And so it creates the sense of, like, animation and movement. Um, and that's a, that was a great tool for, for storytelling. You know what I mean? Sure. sure. You, but you actually did some work for EC, didn't you, at one time? Eventually, yeah, I... Uh, I wanted to work for Harvey, and uh, he gave me, it was very hard to have him give me anything. I uh, eventually gave me something to do about Wake Island, and I I destroyed myself over that because I wanted to impress him, but uh, he didn't like it. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I just couldn't get anywhere with him. He was using, uh, I think, uh, Elder, uh, what was his first name? Bob, Jack Elder? Bob Elder. Oh, uh, Steve, Steve the Elder. The painting, uh, John Severin did a lot of work for, sure. for them. Yeah. Mostly, uh, exclusive. Uh, he did exclusive, he worked exclusively for them, pretty much. Um, uh, I met John, too, 
and I, I spoke to him about uh, how, how do I, uh, what can I do to improve myself? I can't seem to get the first base. And, you know, I'm a very easygoing guy, and he gave me a few tips. He said, first of all, he says, get a book, don't make up any of these weapons, because he's great on, uh, he was very good on, on uh, weapons and uniforms. He was terrific with that. And so he uh, gave me a lead on some books that I should add to my library, and I did. So all of these things through the years have helped me a lot. Uh, well, going back a little bit uh, to, to the late, 50s um, and early 60s, there was the the sort of debacle at Timely when uh, Goodman gave up the distributor, uh, and, yeah. and 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 sort of Timely sort of collapsed, and a lot of that work went away. And you were actually sort of out of out of comics for a few years at that yeah, time. Yeah, the bottom dropped out about 1958. Um, there was a committee against uh, uh, the type of artwork that was put in comic books that. It was kind of like uh, at the Hayes office that uh, Hollywood had a face every time they made a film to make sure that they did the right thing, that they didn't show anything that was obscene or hurtful. Uh, and uh, then, of course, uh, somebody uh, got on a, on a committee and talked against comic books, and that, that really harmed the business tremendously. And uh, most, of, most of Marvel uh, sort of... Uh, Give up uh, with uh, they had to uh, let a, a good good many artists go. Stan Stan stayed, of course, because he was Martin Goodman's um, nephew. Uh, so he stayed, and uh, not that he couldn't deliver his wonderful idea, great on marketing, and he's a wonderful writer. And and uh, Jack Kirby stayed, and, so, and between the two of them, they managed to turn out a tremendous amount of books. But uh, he, they could, they didn't have the money to uh, hire people, so um, so I had to get work elsewhere. I, I worked for a uh, for an advertising company, which I hated the job. Uh, I floundered around for about five six years uh, until eventually I got work again uh, from uh, from Stan. I didn't think it would ever come back, but it did. Could you uh, could you tell us a story about uh, I had read uh, in an interview with you um, how you were working with DC at that time, like in the sixty in the early sixties, and you were doing romance comics, and Stan wanted you to come back and work for Marvel. Um, do you remember that that story at all, where he was trying to uh, to convince yeah, you? Yeah, and I and I uh, yeah I do. I wanted to, uh, I would have come back, but there was no you know money is the thing that all artists are interested in. <laughs> Actual thing because everyone wants to feel in life that they're getting somewhere, and so I uh, I tried to tell him I would be glad to come over to Marvel if you you know up my page rate. And he didn't feel that he had to. He you know he just felt that uh, it wouldn't be necessary. That eventually I'll come back to me if if I didn't want to come back to him today. He'd be getting me tomorrow. Uh, so. Um, I said, well, then in that case, I'll just stay with D.C. So the following day, he called me up and told me to come back. Playing hard all the bluff, which I'm not really good at. I'm not a businessman, and uh, I, I just got pissed. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I wanted to work with Stan, but if, if he wasn't going to, you know, uh, up my uh, my page rate, if I, I felt I felt that I, I needed... Uh, to feel a sense of uh, getting somewhere. 
earning a little more money. I was a family man then, and I, I needed it, like any artist would. And, but he didn't want to do anything until he saw that, that he couldn't frighten me. And, you know, he was, he's a businessman, too. And he didn't <laughs> Always the businessman. That's <laughs> You ended up outstanding Stan, so that's very... <laughs> well, well, then, when you did come back to Marvel, that's sort of when you started your, your first real superhero work? Is that is that right on Submariner and... And oh, yeah. I, I never had a book, I think, until I did come back. Uh, I've always wanted a book of my own, and uh, I just never got one. Uh, but when I came back, that's when I started to get, I think I got um, Daredevil at that time. John Romita uh, did it for, for a short while, uh, but I uh, I was given the, the opportunity to do it. I really read, you know, and, and one thing led to another. One, one, and even when I did Tomb of Dracula, he didn't want to. He didn't want to give that to me. He said I could have it, but then he kind of backed off on it and said that he had really promised it to Bill Everett at the time. And I said, Stan, how could you say that? I remember you telling me that I could have that book, and that's something I, I am absolutely the the artist. The, the artist that you would need for that book. I can put that book across like like no one can. I tried to talk him into it, but no. So what I did was I went home. I was in the city speaking to him about it. And I went home and um, I worked up a sheet of, uh, of samples of how I thought Dracula should look. And I, I think I inked it. Uh, and then I sent it to him. And he called me immediately and says, the job is yours. And that's how I got it. And that was 11 or 12 years that I've been working on it with uh, of the different writers. Mm-hmm. Eventually, uh, uh, not not that long after I started doing it, that Marv Wolfman came along. And we, we kept that book going a long time. Now, you actually, you chose to leave Daredevil at the time because you really wanted to work on Tomb of Dracula. Is that right? I, I was actually burning the candles at both ends. I, I did Tomb of Dracula. I can't remember for sure whether it was exclusive or anything else, but uh, I I try to keep my hand on, in on the Daredevil as well. I I was really uh, working awfully hard trying to uh, wow. oh, it's a balancing act to make sure that I wasn't uh, losing out on anything. <laughs> <laughs> and that's what happened around. with Howard the Duck too. Um, I was I, I, the thing was even going to be syndicated. In fact, it was. But I couldn't keep up with it. Steve Gerber couldn't keep up with it. I, we were also doing different books uh, for Marvel. And so the whole thing just fell apart. Now, whenever, whenever you came back, and we had touched on it uh, briefly, but you left you left comics for a while, but whenever you came back, it was under the Comics Code Authority. How different was it being an artist under the Comics Code than, than, than pre-Comics Code? Did it really change your job a lot? No. When I, I, I would edit the work myself uh, if, there was, if I thought that there was something up, uh, objectionable in what I was doing. I would throw a shadow up on the wall and get my thought across that way. You know, I, w- I would uh, do it in such a way that it, the point was made without actually showing anything that uh, anyone could, could say that wasn't uh, in good taste. I try to do the work with, with, a, with good taste. 
Sure, but and and I know that the comics code was a little overbearing, even you know, even by by those days standards. But uh, did did you ever have to go back and and change anything that that didn't pass the code? Oh, I mean, a changing picture. There were a lot of changes from time to time. They never gave, gave me very much trouble with that. But when I worked with DC, I had a lot of problems with that. There was a particular editor I don't want to mention, him, but uh, I had a lot of trouble with him uh, over uh, changes and fixing things up and redoing. I mean, after all, you know, you're, you're, time time is important, and uh, he didn't care how much time you spent. On, on a job, if he didn't like it, then you had to go correct it. And sometimes you'd have to correct it again and again and again. And I thought it was and, and, uh, just overdone, you know. I, I, I had to do it uh, <laughs> because I didn't want to lose my position there. Sure. Uh, but to tell you the truth, uh, I did lose my position because I told him one day that I thought he was crazy. <laughs> and I was out of work for five, six years. Wow! Wow! After doing that, I knew it. I knew once I said it, you can kiss this job goodbye, and maybe others as well. Oh, I, that's what happened. Like locking your keys in your car and you watch the door <laughs> shut, and you're like, "Oh God, what is it?" Yeah. Well, I hope you got your money's worth in in that one. <laughs> yeah, I could. Well, it was also what I can't. I couldn't get any work from Marvel, but it was not because of this. Uh, the comic book industry was just hanging by a thread. And uh, and I got this work from D.C., and uh, I I stepped out of the line. I had to. I just couldn't take it. And that's what, that was the result. But I got back in again, believe it or not, five or six years later. Things calmed down in the industry. There was work again, and uh, I was one of them that got it. Well, your run on Daredevil was, you know, that was a huge run, almost 100 issues straight. And then you came back uh, in, in the, I think you came back in the, Late seventies, and then again in the nineties, and and have done Daredevil, yeah. and and I, you know, that's one of those characters that your name is is really tied to. Um, talk, can you talk a little bit about that time spent on that character and what you felt about that character and how? Yeah, I love doing Daredevil. I, I, the fact that he was blind, a blind character, opened up a door for a lot of inspirational things. You know, how would a blind man see? Uh, what what kind of image could I conjure up? to create uh, for the reader, possibly, not being blind, but possibly uh, it, what it might be like to be blind. And once in a while that would come up. Uh, not much, but but it did. I, I, and of course there were many, uh, many action scenes in it. I had to choreograph all of them. Uh, it got to the point where I said, Stan, is there some other way of telling the story without having an fighting villains and at every issue going through all these acrobatic things and let's do something different. He says, Gene, that's where the book makes money. That's what the fans <laughs> want to see. And he was right. He was right. Uh, I, I, at, the, at that time, I had seen, and this was in the 60s, at that time, Bullet came out. And I was so influenced by the car chasing I'm sure you've seen it. Sure, uh, absolutely. Uh, that I wanted to, uh, an opportunity to put it in one of the books. And, and it did come up. So I wait, I, I used up about five or six pages in just a car chasing. Uh, I, I, I did it in the way that I introduced it into the plot. 
and I wanted to take the reader for a real wild ride. I was so into this thing. And so I ate up about five or six pages out of maybe 28-page story. And that's crucial. When you, you use that, that uh, take that kind of time to use, to use up uh, space for something, as Dan would put it, that you could have done in, in two or three panels, uh, then, uh, it's, you know, you're not using good senses. Why in the world would you take up so much time to show me something that you could have told in just a few panels? Well, I told them the reason. Uh, I felt it was a, a, a good thing to see. And it turned out that I was right. We, we got a, a lot of good, uh, 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 the, the, the fans were really pouring in the mail over that one. So, uh, that was a, a great moment in, in my career. Well, when you start working on a character like Daredevil or even like Howard the Duck or things like that, when you first start working on it, is it really clear to you that these characters will have staying power? Is it always just sort of... I worried more about how long I'd be in the business. <laughs> <laughs> would, my, would, would my age, as I grew older, if I was still there, would my age reveal the fact that uh, would my drawings reveal the fact that I'm, I'm getting on in years, you know? But, you know, the fans don't see you. They just see your work. Uh, so that was my biggest concern. Uh, thank God they, they don't see, they, they don't know what I look like. Uh, <laughs> I'm old. It's just that you have to keep the work looking young, uh, which I, I try very hard to do. Uh, I, I was always thinking to, and I did think, uh, where I would wind up if, if the bottom did drop out. I try not to concentrate on that, uh, too much. Uh, it, it didn't serve any purpose other than to, uh, you know, work me up and I get upset over it, so I, I figured to heck with it. What happens, happens, you know, but that's why I tried to give my very best. I didn't want any of that stuff to happen. <laughs> and, of course, uh, I wanted to improve all along as an artist. I wanted to just... I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it so much that I really got got into it. Um, and it wasn't so good either for family life. Uh, you know, your children grow up and you're always at the board. You might as well be bald and chained there because uh, you're not with your family much. Uh, you're there at home, but you're not around them. You're around them, but, but you don't spend time with them, is what I'm trying to say. So uh, that's one of the penalties of, uh, you know, being an artist. Whether you're an illustrator or a fine arts painter, you're, you're, artists are generally married to their work. You just have to train your kids to be inkers so they can sit oh, right yeah, next to you. Oh, yeah, I skin. tried that. My son didn't want any part of it. He's an artist, and a very good one. No, he didn't want anything to do with comics. Going back to Daredevil uh, a little bit, I was wondering, did you, you know, after you left that book, did you have any sense of the legacy that, that you had left behind with it? And did you pay... No. Mm-hmm. No, I was out to impress. I wanted to impress. I didn't care what I put in it and how much work I put into it. If the Inca had a problem with it, that would be something that he would have to deal with. Uh, usually I put in half tones and anything else that would come off the, my pencil. Uh, I knew that a lot of it was not uh, really for comic books because I put in these half tones. I think uh, at that time the, uh, the uh, printing process was not as sophisticated as it is today. 
and uh, they couldn't they couldn't reproduce anything from pencil in. But today they can, and beautifully too. Uh, but then they couldn't, and so I, I I should have been more linear. I suppose it would have helped me with my speed as well. Uh, but I, I that would that part of me would creep out all the time. I'd put in lines that the anchors they didn't even couldn't spend the time bothering with. It would re, it would require a line a lot of line work to create a dull, uh, you know to create a tone or a shadow effect. If it was not completely black, then I would do it with uh, with uh, half tones and, and uh, lines and crosshatch work to create a half tone. Uh, and they didn't want to put that in. You know, it, was, it had to be uh, strictly black and white with a minimum of, of tone. Was there ever an inker in particular that you really liked that uh, that inked over your work? Oh yes, uh, Al Williams. Oh, all right, right, there, there we go. go. <laughs> ah, I got it. But he used to, he was a, he was a very fine uh, uh, penciler. He had a syndicated strip, too, that he was working on for this film. He, uh, but it got to the point where it just, uh, he, he didn't enjoy it anymore. He wanted to make his life simpler. He decided to be an anchor. There was another uh, uh, anchor that worked along with all of us in the bullpen. His name was Vince I don't know if you know who I mean, but a very fine anchor. That inked just about everything Sid did. Sid could do ink it himself, too. But Vince, uh, Vince inked everything. He was not a penciler, but a, a fabulous inker. So once in a while, I would get him uh, to uh, ink the story of mine. I didn't have much input as to who would get what. And mm-hmm. if anybody that I wanted really to ink, if, if I could possibly get who I really wanted at that time. And, uh, you know, I just simply handed in the work and let them worry about it. Hi, I'm Simon Oliver, the writer of The Exterminators, and you're listening to Around Comics. Well, we're moving on to uh, to Howard the Duck, which uh, you know, we all we all love Howard the Duck. He, he's turned into you know a, a really fun, iconic character in Marvel's history. What was it like working with Steve Gerber? He's a riot. I read his uh, scripts. I generally don't read scripts through. I, I don't. I, I would read maybe five pages into something, and then I would go ahead and do it because you know you can pretty well after years and years of doing this stuff, you can figure out just how it's going to run. There are always a, there's always a, a surprise that you didn't count on, but um, every now and then that'll show up. But uh, I I knew when I was on safe ground and I knew when I wasn't. Uh, but I loved Steve's work and I would roar uh, at just I had to read the script because it was entertaining in itself. <laughs> he was a very funny guy. He had a take on life like uh, he, he like no one uh, that I have read in in the comics. You know um, had and they teamed me up with him and oh. We had a time and a half, but, you know, uh, eventually it, it tumbled because neither one of us could keep up with, with it, and we didn't want to lose that on the other things that we were doing as well. And this, this act, Howard, really required 100% of your time, and that we couldn't give. Well, earlier you were talking about sort of the photorealism aspect of it. Was it yes. difficult being sort of confronted with a book, and uh, Howard the Duck's one of my favorite books of all time. Uh, well, Howard's all like an animated character. Yeah. Uh, but, but Beverly and uh, and the other people around him were not. 
of course, some of the villains, like Bong. Yeah, uh, Radish Man. <laughs> some of the others uh, were sort of animated, too. Uh, but there was a sense of realism about them. You could tell it was a guy dressed up with a big bell on his head. But Howard was strictly a, uh, a, a, a Donald Duck character. I'm surprised at first. I was very surprised that Walt Disney didn't uh, climb all over Marvel because of it. But eventually they did, and not, not in any great way, and they just wanted Marvel to put pants on Howard. <laughs> have him just waddle around, you know, with his feathers sticking out. So uh, uh, that was about the only criticism that they had. Well, I, I have the essential Howard the Duck in front of me, and uh, the reprints of the black and whites look just fantastic. And uh, this actually came up from someone in our uh, on our forum. It asked about um, what you thought about the, your Marvel work being reprinted, like in black and white. Because a lot of people seem to really enjoy the just non-colored versions of your books. Oh, yes. Uh, well, a lot of the work uh, that uh, the inkers did on Howard, one or two particular inkers, I can't remember their names, but uh, they did great work on it. They even used airbrush on the uh, some of the artwork mm-hmm. to get the, a nice tonal effect, a sweeping tonal effect, smooth effect. Uh, today they do it on a computer, which is uh, you know a great way to do it. I don't. Yeah, I wouldn't want to work that way. I, I if, if I can't lay my hands on it, if I have to rely upon a uh, a gadget of some sort to do the uh, coloring or the inking for me, it, it, that takes the art out of it. To me, it would. You know, there's a, there are so many methods today. Uh, I mean, think uh, I think if, uh, if Rembrandt could have gotten a hold of a camera, he would have used it. <laughs> I do. I mean, it's a, it, was, it was a great tool, and, and it's used extensively for, by illustrators and probably painters. I don't know about painters, but uh, if they're in the school of realism, yes. But uh, not, not so much of it is modern art and interpretive art and stuff. They don't need a camera. But uh, most of the illustrators and, and painters use cameras to some extent. Uh, and uh, and today with the computer, the artists now are using the computer to uh, color the work. And it looks great. Is there anything in sort of the modern sort of array of tools that people use that you wish you could have had in 1960? Uh, no. no. <laughs> nice. <laughs> <laughs> Who needed uh, them? Who needs I them? was really living in my own world. Still am. Nice. <laughs> uh, I just, you know, I know what I want to do, and I head straight for it. I, uh, I got, uh, from the art students, I got what I wanted out of it. I wanted to learn anatomy, and I did, to some extent. A lot of it is just by experience, and uh, wherever you can get your source from, it's fine. I, I taught at the SVA, I taught at the uh, Fashion Institute of Technology here for a while, um, FIT, uh, but it, it's got to come from the gut. The artist should... Uh, 
himself and not rely on see that when I bring up computers I don't I, I, I think that's relying on, on something that I, I find turns me turns me off personally so uh, and I don't I wouldn't know how to use it anyway I mean I would have to first go I don't even know how to work the computer to tell you the truth I, I can turn it on I can turn it off and that's about as far as I go my wife knows the inside out of a computer but I can't <laughs> I, I, I don't know how to to really uh, get into the technical stuff uh, of the computer and how to get to different places. I can write a letter on it, but that's about all. <laughs> <laughs> well, you had said uh, earlier that that you're a big fan of movies. I was wondering, have you yeah, seen have you, have you seen any of the the movies that they've made out of out of these various characters that you worked on, like Daredevil or Howard the Duck? Blade. Yeah, I, I saw uh, I saw uh, Blade, and I walked out on it. <laughs> the first one. Uh, because they went over the top. It was I thought they just you know they put all stops were pulled out and they didn't care what they put up there. And I don't think that's in good taste. You know, I feel that when you tell a story, it's not so much what you can see; it's it's more telling and more effective of what you can't see. Uh, so uh, when they show all the blood and everything like that and the horror of it, 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 it would be far better if they if they just suggested it. That's how I feel. Um, so uh, I, I found it in bad taste, and I didn't want to, you know, I didn't want to see any more of it. So I don't know they made several uh, several uh, different. Uh, they did, they didn't get any better, so you didn't miss <laughs> anything. <laughs> no, no. Did you see? Did you uh, have to see Daredevil uh, or Howard the Howard uh, the Duck? I didn't. I didn't like Daredevil either. Only I didn't think that they. I don't think that they put their best foot forward. You weren't the only one. They could have done a lot better. <laughs> <laughs> You're not alone it's in that. Assessment. Too much in shadow. Uh, uh, just didn't. Uh, it didn't ring. When I see uh, Spider-Man, they mm-hmm. they went to town with that one, and uh, and it's extremely poppy. It's one of their best sellers. Oh yeah. And uh, and and you know they made many, many sequels to, to Spider-Man. Did, uh, now, I think I, I read somewhere that you were actually in a movie once. Is that true? You I was in a film very briefly with uh, Eric Roberts uh, called The Ambulance. Uh, originally, the title was Up in Smoke, but they had to rename it The Ambulance for some reason. Stan was in it, and uh, Red Buttons was in it, and uh, James Earl Jones was there. So it was more of, an, uh, of a big joy for me to, to meet these people. Otherwise, I never would have met these people, you know. And you get to speak to them when the cameras weren't going. It's interesting to even see how they make a movie. They go to such trouble uh, <laughs> to, to create a scene. It's fabulous to watch. So I was, I was just way in the background uh, with uh, a lot of some of the other... There were other people there in a bullpen. You know, we were all in a bullpen. That was part of the story. Uh, Eric Roberts was a, was a comic book artist, and uh, the plot uh, starts with that. Um, and they needed they needed my work to imitate uh, to to give the impression that Eric Roberts did it. You know, mm-hmm. so I had to uh, I had to draw certain certain scenes that uh, were in the film that Eric Roberts was supposed to have done. So we were in a makeup chair. He was sitting next to me. I was in one chair. He was another, and I was uh, uh, um, 
uh, it was supposed to be him, but the uh, but I was older. I was afraid my hands wouldn't photograph as a younger person, so they put some makeup on my hands and uh, to kind of smooth out the, the wrinkles. Uh, and uh, so that's how I got into it. That's what I did. <laughs> I enjoyed it tremendously. Nice. Uh, Larry Cohn was the director. He's done other things. Going back to uh, Blade, a lot of people don't know that that you and and Marv Wolfman actually created that character. Yeah, we did. We did. We did. We didn't get one. Anything out of it, though, I wish we had. But we <laughs> <laughs> well, we yeah, have a. No, we have a, a question from one of our listeners. Uh, Stephen Aaron uh, wants to know. Uh, he's uh, fascinated to know uh, what you think of comics at the moment and what, if any, comics you're reading. I don't read them. Uh, I'm, I'm busy right now doing uh, illustrations on, on commissions. You know, the fans will, will uh, write to me and ask me to do a commission for them, and they'll say, I want uh, a full, full-length shot of Captain America doing something, or uh, or just a bust shot, uh, just a headshot of him. Uh, those, those are the requests I get. And sometimes I get a request that, so three or four of these figures in in one in one illustration. Uh, one of them was uh, with uh, with Dracula and myself. I'm even in it, and uh, a Daredevil and another character, uh, one of the superheroes. We're all in a library, a kind of an old library, and I'm pouring over some books and pointing out something and. Dracula is standing behind me and pointing at the book. So that was a very extensive piece of work on a large board that I uh, that I did. You know, I was commissioned for it. Uh, I did something of, of pirates that I never did anything like that in my life in comics or anywhere else. But someone, uh, you know, they they paid me for it, and so I had to I had to cut it somewhere. <laughs> and I, I began to. Uh, Pick up information on how pirates look, and how, you know, how they dress, and old ships. I got involved with that, and eventually the whole thing came together, and I spent a lot of time with that. And that was a big piece. So uh, some of them are very big, some of them are very small, uh, and that's what I generally I generally do. I'm doing right now a, uh, a Captain America book for Marvel. I haven't worked with them in a long time. Tell us a little bit about that. Uh, how far along are you on that, and and uh, how's it been working with Ed Brubaker? Oh, he's a wonderful guy. Uh, I speak to him every now and then as, as to what uh, I don't I don't understand. He fills me in on a lot of stuff. Very very easygoing fellow. He's wonderful. Um, I wish they were all as good as that. <laughs> uh, but uh, I'm enjoying it. You know, uh, it, it's hard to get back into sequential art. Uh, again, you know, telling a story, but as pages go by, uh, I find it gets easier and easier. By the time I get to the third or fourth page, I'm into it. Um, I did something for the, for, you know, the Simpson character. Mm -hmm. I did, uh, I don't know, 12, 13 pages of that, uh, of, the, of the Simpsons. You did, uh, uh, didn't you do uh, an escapist book not too long ago? I did that, yes, mm -hmm. for Dark Horse. Right. Uh, so here and there, different things crop up, um, but I'm, I'm enjoying myself with what I do, and and uh, if I live long enough, maybe I can do something, a, a real departure from uh, comics. How, how do you feel about having a, a U.S. Uh, postal stamp? 
oh my God, who would have ever think that uh, that it would ever come to that? But I can't, it's hard to believe, it really is. And that, that's going to come out in July, mm-hmm. uh, and I think it's just a wonderful thing that's happened, really. But there were other artists, too, you know, the, uh, that uh, uh, John B. Sammer got one, unfortunately, he's not around now to uh, to enjoy that. But his family is. And uh, some of the other uh, artists have uh, enjoyed that uh, um, that privilege of having their work eventually wind up on the back of a stamp. I'd rather be on a stamp than up on the wall in the post office. <laughs> yeah. That's right. I suppose if you're going to be in the post office, that's the Hi, I'm Ed Brubaker. When I'm not waiting for the trade, I like to listen to a round comics podcast. You, you had mentioned it before how how your art you always felt you know wasn't necessarily right for comics because you had put so much work into the pencils and inkers you know had a hard time replicating your work. But but then later on it, 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 you had done Nathaniel Dusk and yeah. uh, uh, the other one was. Uh, Ragamuffins, and those were taken yes. straight from your pencil work because they were. But by that time, the printing, uh, the printing presses were uh, had changed the, the what they could print, what they couldn't print mm-hmm. uh, had changed tremendously. Most of it was uh, they could pick up anything at that time uh, with, from pencil and make it look like someone had come along and inked it. So um, that's how it all started, and my work looks best in that form. I have discovered that my work looks best in that form. Otherwise, you have two different styles working on the same piece. Well, I'll tell anyone that's listening, if you haven't seen Gene's work, uh, his you know straight pencil commissions, go to his website. It's genecolon.com, and, and look at his gallery of pencil commissions, and it's absolutely amazing. You, you, the... The straight from pencil work of yours is just gorgeous, and and uh, you know any of those commissions are <laughs> worth every single penny because they're they're amazing work. Thank you so much for that. And now Thank you you had you had, uh, you had uh, announced earlier this year that you were retiring from from doing commissions. Yeah, I wanted to retire. I just wanted to, but I didn't. I I, I wanted to make sure that I could afford to retire. <laughs> sure. Uh, and uh, so far, it has not worked out. Um, it would require an, an awful lot of fans. Um, and, and in fact, I mean, the fans were, were great. I have, I have the, they keep asking me to do stuff, and um, I just can't keep up with it. And but I eventually, eventually get their work. Uh, but it, it hasn't worked out in in actuality like I thought it might. So I'm still working on it. <laughs> I was uh, going to say you're the busiest. Re- you're the busiest retired guy I've, I've ever seen. Yeah, I know, I know. Uh, but I, I try. I'm trying to maneuver myself into a position where I don't have to do it. You know. Yeah, we, we of course w- want to see you retire happy, but at the same time, we don't want to see you stop working either. <laughs> uh, well, uh, who knows where I'll wind up? Uh, hopefully, it. Uh, I don't think it'll ever be in the movies, but I do think that. Uh, that that maybe I can get into the fine arts. I have some ideas about fine arts. I'd like to give it a shot. Uh, well, one thing I do want to a- ask you about, and we had talked about the essentials and, and uh, had touched on Tomb of Dracula. Now, recently in the fourth volume of that, they, they had to go back and and 
work over uh, some of the pages on there to you know cover up some exposed breasts so it wouldn't have a mature reader's title. Did you have a problem with them altering your artwork for the reprints of that? No. I've seen that happen many, many times. But uh, I, I never uh, concerned myself much with it. Uh, they felt that there was a need to do it. And, uh, you know, uh, to me it would be like uh, whistling in the, in the wind uh, to try to get them to change it. It didn't bother me. You know, so they, so they changed it. So I moved on. You know, I'm not making an issue over it. Once I did it, they owned it. Mm -hmm. As long as it was in my hands, I owned it. Uh, when I got out of my hands and I handed it over to them, they could do whatever they wanted with it. And that's how I looked at it. Mm -hmm. I, I was always trying to do something that I thought the editor would like to see and the fans would like to see. Sure. If I could get it past the editor, then I was just always hoping that the fans would... Uh, then uh, appreciate what I've done. A lot of my stuff uh, tends to look a little on the confusing side, <laughs> but then I look at life that way. You know, when you see on the screen something that's uh, not all that clear, there's, I find there's a good reason for it. If you're, uh, and I've mentioned this before uh, in other interviews, when you see, for instance, a fight scene in a dark room, well, you can't identify the figures on the screen. You know that there's an awful lot of stuff going on, but who belongs to what leg or what arm? People uh, are flying over desks and, and chairs. Uh, the, uh, the contents of what's on the desk goes flying. You can't identify it, and that's just, that's just great because you can't. Not even in real life would you be able to see. And it adds to the drama of the piece. Sure. I mean, not everything is good. Well... No, no, go ahead. Go ahead. If, if you can't identify what you're looking at, all the better. That's how I feel, because life is like that. I'm, I've, at times, I try to imitate life. I try to do whatever I can to be as realistic as I can, and uh, as far as I can take it. And if it means uh, doing something that isn't all that clear or sharp or, or uh, where it's, it's so easy to tell what's going on, all the better. That's how I look at it. Uh, right or wrong, I do it that way. That's the way it is. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, I, I can't change now. <laughs> it's too, too late. late. Too yeah. late now. Forget it. Too late, yeah. It is. In 2005, you were inducted into the Will Eisner Hall of Fame. Could you tell yes. us a little bit about how that felt and, and what that experience was? Oh, like? I, well, I I was out in San Diego with, with my wife, uh, just you know, at a convention. To me, it was a convention, uh, and uh, they wanted me to say I was ready to go home a little bit earlier because we we had worked very hard at the convention hall, and I thought the whole thing was over. But uh, there was a woman running it um, who uh, told me no. She said, that "You can't go home now." And I said, why not? And she said, well, it's important that you stay. She wouldn't tell me what it was. <laughs> and I didn't have any idea what it was she did, that she wanted me to stay. And then, of course, I, I got into the, uh, along with other artists, into uh, the Eisner uh, Award uh, dinner, or whatever, the, the function mm -hmm. at night. Mm -hmm. uh, my, my daughter was there, too. Um, and... It came up on the screen. They were showing the work of all the artists through the years, 
and uh, and then my name came up, and I thought I'd die. <laughs> I God, I I could that that was they were they were you know they were stringing me along, and they knew all along that I had uh, was going to get an award, uh, and I had not an inkling of it. I had no idea that it was going to be anything like that. So uh, I'm very I'm very proud of the fact that I that I got it. It was a wonderful experience uh, to have been there, to have been able to to get up there and give a little talk about about my career and to the people that I'm grateful to. Uh, I've been in a long time, you know. For how many years now? Fifty some odd years. I think you're at 60, at 62, 60, 62, 60, yeah, some yeah. Odd years. 60 years. Right. One hell of a career. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, a long time. A lot of staying power, thank God. And still some, doing it. Some of the artists dropped out. Uh, Bernie Creekstein, I think, was one of them. Uh, he dropped out. Uh, some others, I don't know, maybe he came back in again for a while. Uh, most of them stayed, but there were a few dropouts. It's a tough business. But I can't think of a business that isn't. You want to make a mark for yourself in the world, it takes plenty of work. You've got to love it, though. You've just <laughs> got to love. Whatever you do, you have to love. That, that, to me, is the secret of success. That's probably the one common thread I've found with, with all the creators that we've talked to and met, is that they all love the industry. They love the work. And I, and I, I think you're right. I think you have to love it to do it. They, they have to love it. No matter what, they'd rather do They'd work for nothing. They would... You know, like an actor struggling to get somewhere. Uh, I'll do the part for nothing. You know, let me just get me in the film. I'd I'd work for nothing, and and that's that's how uh, artists are. Well, looking back at it, Gene, would would you have done it any differently? Um, I probably wouldn't be in the business. I would probably have gone if I had it to do again. I might have made a, a, a an attempt to get into movies, but not as an actor. Who knows at what. In, in what capacity I would have gotten into it. I've always been uh, interested in film. But um, I wouldn't have had the fortitude for it. From what I see that they go through, you have to have some pretty hard-head boy to, uh, and uh, stamina to be able to withstand that, that kind of buffeting around. I don't, I don't think I would have been able to take it. It's too difficult. Um, then if I say that, then I have to say... In the next breath, and if that's how I felt, then I probably uh, didn't uh, wouldn't like it uh, as much as I should have. You know, if I really like the business, then you just hang in and do the best you can. You know, but hanging, so many people have. You know, to the to the rest of their days, they would hang in, and a lot of a lot of, uh, of actors are still doing it. Well, hey, Gene, you know, there was one other question I had for you. Um, yeah. Y y you've been called Gentleman Gene, Gene the Dean. Yeah, uh, everything uh, in the book. You yeah. got you got more nicknames than Apollo Creed. How, 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 did, <laughs> how did you get all these nicknames? Where did I these don't know. Uh, I, I think Sam might have started it. <laughs> Stan came yeah. kept coming up with them? I think so, yeah. He called me Gene the Dean. Um... Uh, there might have been others. I don't. Uh, that's that's the one that's outstanding in my mind. Mm -hmm. <laughs> he called me that, and uh, Sam was wonderful. Just and I and I still speak to him. Oh, that's wonderful. You know, a lot of people you can call today, and they won't call you back. You can you can take it to the bank. If you make a call to Stan, he'll answer it. He'll call you back. 
Wow. Are you, are you looking forward to uh, possibly meeting up with him in New York in late February? Oh, yes. I'd love to see him again. Sure yeah. I would. Are you it's been a long time since I've seen Sam. Yeah, he's... I he's, sure would. He's out he on the West Coast now. He's youthful. <laughs> <laughs> the boy, he's uh, always been the boy. He's a youthful guy. <laughs> <laughs> and is he going strong? He's 83 and is he going strong? Boy, oh boy. Eternally young. Yes, he is. Are you going to be? Uh, you're you're going to be at the New York Comic Con in February, correct? Yes, I am. Are you going to be doing uh, any type of work there? Are you going to be doing sketches at all, or, or? Oh yeah, I'll be at the table. I have a table. I'll be there. I'll be sketching. We will sure. be there. I, I yeah. <laughs> I am going to get a. I have to get a, a Gene Colan sketch from you. From you. Oh, I'll be in, glad to. Fantastic. Oh, wonderful. We, sure. We will see you uh, then. I want to thank you, fellas, for uh, interviewing me. It's been a pleasure to get. Uh, be on the air. Oh, um, Mr. Thank Col- you so much. Mr. Cohen, the pleasure <laughs> is, is all ours. It's really an honor. <laughs> oh, that, the honor is absolutely ours. Uh, thank you. We're huge fans of your work. We we really appreciate all the hard work and, and all the time that you've put into making comics and really creating and, and developing these characters that we've we've all fallen in love with. And, and uh, we just really want to thank you for, for taking time you know out and, and talking with us and... and uh, I've enjoyed every bit of it. Oh. I could have been here all night. <laughs> I really could have. I've enjoyed it well, very I, I t- much. I tell you, maybe maybe we can have you back in the near future. A- anytime. Uh, we would anytime. love to talk to you again. Thanks again. All right. Well, we'll see you in February, Gene. And, okay. And otherwise, have a good night, and thanks you again. Too. And thank you to Gene Colan for being you know, such a... First of all, wonderful person, and for spending some time with us this evening. Uh, yeah. I can see where he got the, the, the moniker, Gentleman Gene. He certainly was that. And he was the dean. The dean. <laughs> the dean. The he was great. That was that was uh, fantastic. Gene the dean. We have uh, a, a couple uh, a couple posts that were sent in that uh, I, I think uh, epitomize how a lot of fans think him. This uh, first one is from... Wayne Osborne, and he says uh, uh, that he had no question in particular, but he says, please express our thanks for many years of entertainment, from the heroism of Daredevil to the horror of Dracula. His unique style brought power and movement to the page that I had never seen before and have rarely seen since. He is one of the greats. No question. And I, I think uh, I think Vince B, uh, our good buddy from uh, the Bullpen Bulletins podcast, uh, who was a, a huge fan, he says, I, I want to thank Gene for providing me with some of the most vivid and comforting memories of my childhood. When I look at Gene's work, I instantly recall those long summer afternoons on my back porch reading Gene's Captain Marvel, Iron Man, Doctor Strange, Howard the Duck, he says, my favorite, and countless others. No small feat to have your work ingrained in the minds of your audience for 30-plus years. My life would not be the same had Gene never picked up a pencil. He's a true magician. Love you, Gene. Good thing he didn't go into that acting career. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, is it... Is it that great to ingrain your work into the mind of someone who's obviously disturbed? <laughs> <laughs> what kind of effect yeah, did Gene I mean, go yeah, have? What did twist and <laughs> twisted him? <laughs> Love you, congratulations. Vince. <laughs> That's a true point. Yeah. yeah. So it's uh, w- what a pleasure to talk with him, and and really a true gentleman. So uh, thank you, Gene Colan. All right, guys, uh, let's uh, wind this one down. We have a few announcements here. Um, Want to talk about uh, uh, shopping around comics? 
Shop at Around Comics, www.aroundcomics.com. You can buy Around Comics gear at our Cafe Press Store, or you can buy comic trades, books, CDs, DVDs, whatever you want from Amazon.com at our Amazon store. And we'll get some some Gene Colan stuff in the store this week. Some essentials. Uh, You can uh, spread the Around Comics love. Uh, You can uh, print out our listener LCS challenge flyer from the homepage and ask your local comic shop manager or owner if they would be so kind as to as to display that in their shop if they do so we will mention them on the show and put a link to their shop on the site Uh, you can also vote for us at podcast alley we always appreciate that and my personal favorite the itunes music review be as cool as andy parks the the only thing i wanted to add something to the um spread the ac love if you go on to google and you search for how to make a stencil i would suggest you make a stencil of our thing and if you find someone sleeping on the streets, tag them with it. <laughs> <laughs> sure. <laughs> I want to see someone. I want to see a crazy street person with an around comics. Nice, Tom. So I'll send all the hate oh, mail. And, uh, send all uh, the hate mail to uh, me. Speaking of, uh, of podcast and uh, and Andy Parks, I, I don't mention it enough. If you haven't checked out the Will Flipson show, please do so. It is a very funny and very entertaining podcast. And, and Andy always uh, has a little bit of content on there. He does some great voices on that show. Uh, want to uh, mention uh, our website, www.aroundcomics.com. You can check out all the great things that Around Comics has to offer. It's your source for the best in comic book news, reviews, and opinions. While you're there, please take a minute to fill out our listener survey. It lets us know who we're talking to and how we can make Around Comics a better show. Uh, I wanted to mention also we have a, a couple of things that changed on the website uh, this week. Oh, um, one was uh, we st- stopped uh, letting people post in the lab forum mm-hmm. uh, only because it, it seemed like that that forum was getting kind of ignored and there was some really cool stuff in there. So I moved a bunch of those threads to the main forum and just closed down the lab. So I just felt intimidated because I'm not an artist. Well, you know, or a writer. Are creepy too. <laughs> <laughs> so if it, you know, feel free to post any of that stuff that you would have posted before in the lab just post mm-hmm. in the main form and we'll just keep doing that stuff and also the uh the other thing on the site we have a new uh contest mm-hmm. uh that we started to uh well last week mm-hmm. um and it's a trivia contest uh movie challenge trivia so we're gonna run that through the end of january Great. and and the top three will win will win some stuff you'll get some stuff I <laughs> would like to thank the New York Comic Con for sponsoring this episode. Also, like to thank Sound Tom as always. You guys did a great job. Everyone, have a fantastic rest of your week. Where, 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 where are we? Thanks, boss. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be back again next Monday with another new episode. In the meantime, we'll be everywhere in and around um, comics. Finding where I am. Finding Tom <laughs> lost once again. <laughs> yeah. like to suggest a topic, send us your comments, or are interested in becoming a panel member, email us at info at aroundcomics.com or visit the contact us section of our website. Music for the show provided by the Podshow Podsafe Music Network. 
music.podshow.com. Views expressed in the interviews or by guests of the show are solely those of the individuals expressing them and do not reflect the opinions of Around Comics. Thank you for listening today, and remember to join us next time when the panel will change, but our mission will stay the same, bringing you the very best news, reviews, and opinions in and around comics. Around Comics is a Pipe Dream production. Copyright 2006. All rights reserved.